0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to this another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, today, our last show of the week until Sunday morning. Week seven, by 2K, by apocalypse, whatever people want to call it. Some are stressing their lineups, but you and I, for the next hour, will go game by game, talk
1: about like 50 to 100 players. Ready to do this? How are you feeling? I'm doing good. I never asked you how you're doing. How's the move? How's life over in Brooklyn? Oh. How's how's everything going on your end?
0: Uh, things are good. Things are good. Just working a lot. Excited to not have have some bye weeks. Bye weeks make the world feel like a better place at the moment. Let's do that. I'm actually loving what we do on a weekly basis. So there's like, to be honest with you, not much stress in my life. Like not much concern. I just like kind of do my job, watch these games, love that people in the chat are having a good time with each other. Community building, all that good stuff. Hayden, appreciate you asking.
1: There we go, and appreciate we got just as a reminder, we have an NBA content team all of a sudden. We do. We have Justin Fan. Oh, we, <laughs> we have NBA, we have NBA news alerts that are going off every single second. We have Wob doing nightly broadcast, daily broadcast. It's a whole. I mean, if you think the NFL stuff is good, like the NBA stuff is like on another level right now. So we need to get our our butts in the gear right now. Yeah, somehow more people work on the NBA side than work on the NFL side, Hey, Yeah, what the I, hell? I <laughs> what the hell?
0: Uh, okay, not waste any time. Let's dive into it. Some really fun games on the one o'clock window, four o'clock window, and obviously the two primetime games as well. And before we get into anything, just know that we'll be answering your starts at questions. You can leave them in the comments after the show is over and I go back through this weekend and fill those out. That's once the show is wrapped for all of you watching this on a replay, but also Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern start sits with myself, with Hayden, with animal pick up lines as well. So go and do that. All right. Go and check out the fancy blueprint on underdog underblog.underdogfantasy.com. We start off with the freaking four and two Cincinnati Bengals. 47 total against the Baltimore Ravens, who are 5-1, six-point favorites here. Hayden, I want to start on the Bengals' side because I need to reset this football brain that I have because I need to start believing in this team. I mentioned their record. They're 4-2. This is actually just the second time Joe Burrow has ever played against the Baltimore Ravens, and he has not thrown a touchdown pass against this team yet. We just saw this Ravens' defense shut down Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. How are you feeling about those Bengals players this week?
1: What does that finance boomer always say? Sell high, buy low. I feel like if we're buying into the Bengals right now, we're buying like potentially the top. Uh, When it comes just for fantasy purposes, right now everything is going through Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. And that's basically it. If you look at just historically, even last year, when Joe Mixon's banged up or out of the lineup, they pass a ton. When Joe Mixon is healthy, the neutral pass rates go way down. Like even like this year, the two games where Joe Mixon was in and out of the lineup, those are the two highest neutral pass rate games. And then last week when Joe Mixon was back and there was no Samaj P. Ryan, then they go down to 43% neutral pass. So this is basically the the new setup for the Bengals. And I think uh, there's a couple of reasons for this. One, the defense playing a little bit better than we're used to with, with the Bengals and number two, their neutral pa- uh, offensive pace is dead last. So we're not getting the the passing volume that we thought we were getting, Going into the season. Right now, for me, it's basically Jamar Chase winning one on ones on the outside. And they're going to have to do that because we know what the Ravens always do. They bring pressure, lots of press man coverage. And if the Bengals try to do this empty formation stuff, they're going to need Jamar Chase to win downfield because it's going to be a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow to hang in the pocket against a very aggressive defense.
0: Hopefully, the people in the chat can see these on YouTube, these four passing charts over the last four weeks. Because Joe Burrow, we talk about it on the Usage Show, we talk about it on the Instant Reaction Show, they're running so hot in these vertical passes, and that really the early season work and the scripts and the style, it's, it evolved a little bit. Like, they're putting a little more responsibility, a little more trust in him. But Hayden, it's nowhere to the point of what it was last year. But I also asked the question, like, should they change? You know, because it's winning for them. Like, should they change? Now, I think the Ravens' defense might force them to change, though. This week, because I went back and watched what they did against the Chargers and what they took advantage of were all the backup Chargers offensive linemen like Rashawn Slater, who's an animal at left tackle, still played an incredible game. But then they just confused right tackles, loops, twists, stunts. And that's what's going to happen, I feel like, here again. So I also have seen Joe Burr in recent weeks, like the offensive line gets confused. There was a third and. Two, I believe last week, a four-man rush and the defensive end was left completely free for a clean hit. And in those moments, I'm not exactly sure what I'm getting from Joe Burrow in those moments right now because there are times when he'll evade and pick up yards. There are times when he'll throw it on his hop and be super quick. And there are times he turtles up and doesn't know what to do and looks injured. So that's going to be the deciding factor to me is just how they handle the defensive front and the linebackers of the Ravens. And we're not going to know, I don't think, until Sunday, obviously.
1: Yeah, and one other note I have with T. Higgins is last year, he was kind of the vertical threat of the offense. Uh, 19% of his targets traveled more than 20 yards downfield. This year, just 4%. So there's only a handful of throws, and that's basically because last year, A.J. Green couldn't win downfield, and now you get Jamar Chase winning downfield. So this kind of takes some of the – The upside of a T Higgins out of the lineup with that said during bye weeks I think that you have to be kind of leaning towards T Higgins. The guy I'm like most concerned about is definitely Tyler Boyd. His on off splits with and without T Higgins are drastic low. A dot. You need to take away the pace and the pass rates. T Tyler Boyd's the one where it's just like, how is he going to do this if he's only getting six targets and 30, 36 air yards per game. So for me, it's, it's Jamar chase in his own category. Then T Higgins more of a flex during bye weeks and Tyler Boyd, even during the bye weeks it's like harder to see this uh, fully working out for him.
0: Yeah. That third nine conversion last week, I think it was a, a dig route for T Higgins was one of the better throws Joe Burrow made all day. We just want more volume. We want more of that. Now we talk about this Bengals offense. Hayden, I also need to start believing in the Bengals defense, which might be even more difficult because you look at like the lack of name brand players. Jesse Bates has played really well. Trey Hendrickson, who they brought in for agency, is, is playing at a high level. But other than that, it was like kind of picking up a lot of other teams trash and turning it into their treasure. And what it's gotten them is top five in defensive DVOA. They're top 10 in both categories against the run and against the pass. And dare we say that right now the Ravens are a pass first team because that's where they're creating most of their explosive plays. And that's where they're one of the best in the NFL at the moment too.
1: Yeah. The Ravens over the last four weeks are fifth in neutral pass rate fifth. And I think that we should expect that to happen again, especially if Latavius Murray, who rolled his ankle and didn't practice earlier in the week, if he's going to be out, um, I think they're just going to lean on the pass even more. I, I think that they should all of their best skill players, are in the past game. And it's like a perfect puzzle piece. Uh, Boundary receiver and Rashad Bateman kind of wins underneath from the X spot, dig route slants, curls, all that stuff. You have Marquise Brown. Then you have Mark Andrews who's leading the position right now uh, over the middle. So it's a well-rounded group. And I think that this is going to be a very tough spot for the Bengals defense. Yes. The Bengals defense is improved. I just, I just can't fully buy into the Bengals like legit being, a top 10 defense. Maybe that burns us, but right now, like the way Lamar Jackson's playing and the way that the offense is constructed, it's like impossible to be fading them at this point.
0: I absolutely love Lamar's arm angles. Like it's one of my favorite things going back and reviewing these games, just like submarine pitchers at times. He does it from all different spots. And I'm not saying that it's unconventional because I actually think his base now is very conventional, like resetting here, getting off, and then, boom, firing it out to an open receiver on the right side. Mark Andrews, low-key Hayden, emerging as a top two, three option in the NFL. I don't think any tight end in the league has more fancy points than him over over the last three weeks, and this is also a team – in some ways, it's getting healthier. We know Ronnie Stanley now is missing the entire rest of the season. They're going to get back Nick Boyle, who they've used multiple tight end sets for years and years and years. This is someone who's missed an extended amount of time, plus Rashad Bateman as you know, the chain mover, as we have designated with him. So I talked a lot about the passing game. Hayden, historically, this team has been known run first. And what we saw last week is Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell, all three get touchdowns with so many buys this week, are any, any in play
1: at six-point favorites here at home? If we get clarity on Latavius Murray, I think, and either way, if he's starting, I think that he is somewhat in the mix. He's RB43 fantasy he used it over the last four weeks. But if he's out, then perhaps Devonta uh, Freeman or Le'Veon Bell. So I don't think we're going to know this until the Sunday morning show, but that's why we do have the Sunday morning show. So I'll see all of you guys at Uh, What is it? 10 a.m. Eastern on on Sunday morning. It is. Jump to the next game. The three and
0: three Kansas City Chiefs. Five and a half point favorites on the road against the Tennessee Titans, who are four and two. Fifty seven total in this game. Hayden, it is often said that styles make fights and there is no place better to start than with Derrick Henry against this Chiefs defense. A defense that you've outlined that we have spotlighted that might deploy the worst linebacker duo in the NFL. So you're going from, to me, a defense that actually matters this past week against the Buffalo bills to now one that Derek Henry is facing gets the chiefs. That is 31st and 32nd against the pass and against the run in the NFL. Is it too chalk? Is it, am I too much of a donkey to say like Hayden, how are the Chiefs going to slow down Derrick Henry? Because it's not like he's just going to pick up 5, six, seven, 10, 12, 20, 30 yards every single time he touches the football. Like in some ways, if you want an offense to beat you or be productive, you want them to be productive on the ground. No,
1: I just don't understand how the Chiefs are going to fix this because yeah. it's like it's not like a, a scheme problem. It's just they're they're just bad. Like the defensive interior, bad. The linebackers bad. Whenever they get the safeties to try to come in and fit the run, they're bad too. And there's just no way to fix this in particular. If you look at just what sports info solutions, uh, what they noted is even when the Chiefs stack the box and against the run, they're still dead last in success rate. So like they can try to put 10 guys in the box, they just can't make tackles and they're not fast enough. And so I don't see how this is gonna get fixed in this particular matchup it's gonna be a huge derrick henry show of note just some injuries aj brown hasn't been practicing because of the illness but he's gonna play he already played last week because of the chipotle he'll play through the chipotle this week julio jones left i thought he had a setback but all of a sudden now he's limited in practice today so it's harder to trust julio jones but because the chiefs are so bad on defense you can still see how there's massive upside for either one of these guys. It's just the floor is just much lower uh, for both of them. And if the Titans can kind of control the clock, you might not see those eight to 12 targets that we're looking for in the first place. I've looked at a lot of
0: advanced statistics for the Titans offensive passing attack. And in some ways it's not fair Hayden, because in fact we might've seen the worst performances that they're going to have all season in the past already because of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones being on the field. And we've even seen, you know, Ryan Tannehill be productive when it's neither are on the field, right? And I, I thought Ryan Tannehill played a very good game this past week. Like, some of the throws that he was making, there was like a second and six that he was being hit, and he connected with, like, Jeff Swain out there for – I mean, honest, it was unreal. Like, yeah. this is against pressure. It's against disruption. That's amazing. So – I I understand why the Chiefs are favored by so much because despite all of the injuries, excuse me, all the turnovers, they're still one of the best offenses in the NFL. But could could we see this, you know, Titans team do what they did to Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago in the playoffs or do what they've done to a lot of teams where it's throw to lead, then run to win? That formula is there and it's one that they have patented and been known for for years and years and years. We need to talk about the Chiefs offense though. What do you want to go on about
1: this. Well, I also think that they could run to lead and run to win. Like they're That's the true. exception, like even their neutral pass rates are really down. Like they always are. And I think like they are the exception. Yeah. They could pass to lead, but they also could just run the lead. Like this is like, we haven't seen this before. And like, as bullish as we are with the Titans offense, the Titans defense, man, it's just still really bad. Uh, 21st in passing EPA, 25th in rushing EPA. And like we've been saying, the, the chiefs are already first in points per drive despite nine turnovers in uh, opposing territory. So this is just, it's an insane offense. As long as Tyreek Hill can play through his quad injury, and he did that successfully last week, even though he had a drop in, in in routes. And if Travis Kelsey can play through these stingers that he keeps getting up in his shoulder area, this offense is just ready to roll. It doesn't matter if Nicole Hardman's inconsistent. It doesn't matter about the turnovers. When the way Patrick Mahomes is playing and the way that this offensive line is playing, I mean, yeah. they're like top five in, in run blocking grade, So they can win in both ways at this point. And it's just like they'll take their check down. But I think against the Titans, there's room for big plays. They're 31st against fantasy wide receivers through six weeks. And they get back to
0: their explosive plays last week. They had five gains of 20 plus yards against Washington after recording just 15 in the previous five games combined. So getting back to that has always been a part of that identity. We just know teams had been working against it. Washington's defense is just bad in every area, so that was pretty easy to do. But the Titans might be in the exact same department there. What a difficult assignment for the Titans' defense. You go from Josh Allen to Patrick Mahomes. I will say I thought this defense did a really good job taking advantage of one of Josh Allen's negative tendencies, which I'm not going to get on him for, but he, like, drifts from clean pockets in certain situations. So they had, like, Rashawn Evans closing from the second level. They had Harold Landry and Bud Dupree, who are very good athletes, you know, chasing him down as well. Patrick Mahomes is known to do that, but Patrick Mahomes also has an unreal arm and makes all these throws that almost no one in the NFL can make. So it's, I have no clue which side to take here. No clue. But whenever we like think it's so easy and it's at the top of our mind, just being like, oh, Obviously, Derrick Henry is going to rush for 200. And I've seen some props out there hanging of like 140-something rushing total yards here oh, for Derrick Henry this week. I mean, that is absolute banana stuff that we never see. But as Nate Tice points out, our buddy, just his strides to eat up ground, and they're getting him involved in the passing game like this and out in space. It's a different animal. It's a different type of, of player that you don't get to face very often in the NFL. So, all right. Let's jump. We're also – in week seven, Hayden, we're getting to the point where teams are repeating contests we've seen earlier in the year, rematches, and we're getting that with the one and four New York Jets against the New England Patriots, who are seven point favorites here, despite just being two and four, 42 and a half total. Let's start in the Jets end, because we haven't spoken about them in over a week, because they've been on a bye. This is the first time, obviously, that Zach Wilson has faced an opponent twice Last time against the Patriots, they lost twenty-five to six. He was nineteen of thirty-three with four interceptions. Now, prior to that game in London against the Falcons, I think it was what against the Titans that we were just talking about. Like, oh, it was outside the pocket throws. We thought it might have turned the corner. Well, we learned against the Falcons that your offense can't just be extended plays, deep shots outside of structure. And to me, that's what I am most concerned about after this. Post by rookie bump for Zach Wilson, if he's learned how to operate inside the confines of where Mike LaFour and company want him to in this Jets offense.
1: I got ex- so ex- excited writing the post by rookie bumps. We have Elijah Moore, we have Michael Carter, <laughs> we have Zach Wilson. And then I looked at the matchup. I was like, damn, it's in New England. And yeah, he just got no sh- shot here. When I was looking back at the at the box score, um, it's obvious that, that Bill Belichick was just trying to take away Corey Davis. He had five targets, only eight yards, two receptions on those. And we see this time and time again. Bill Belichick's willing to bracket coverage, number one wide receivers. That's what they did last week. I think that's what they'll do in this game again. So this is going to make it really difficult for Corey Davis um, to pay off. But we might be able to see some more slot, uh, slot targets to like James and Crowder. Maybe they can get something yeah. with Elijah Moore. But this is just... I mean, there's a reason why Vegas is projecting them for 17 and three quarters points Ooh. here. This is going to be a tough matchup, and if they pay off that, that's more points than they scored in the first game. So it's it's going to be an impossible matchup. So we'll have to see what Zach Wilson does. But I think that the post bias stuff is going to come at starting week eight, not week seven.
0: <laughs> we, with a lot of these teams, we we have this conversation of well, they're they're changing things on the fly. They're doing this differently and doing this differently, and that's actually. The case with the Patriots who we're talking about in the moment with the Jets, we haven't seen that yet. You know, maybe we will see that this week, but I do think it's a mentality thing because even going back to BYU, it was such a different style of game that he was playing of wide open passing lanes, not having to deal with pressure or a confined pocket. He was able to hit those outside the throw outside number throws and then obviously directing things when he was getting outside of structure. That's like second nature to him. That's where he's at his best. But Bill Belichick is going to make you work inside of a, a closed environment. And this is going to be very, very telling, I think, for the rest of his rookie season if Zach Wilson is of the mentality of, of being able to do that. Because again, they've added Jamison Crowder that might help in the slot. They've kind of turned to Michael Carter as their number one running back. Is that enough? Is that enough right now?
1: Nope. Not at all. There was no man match coverage and stunts on the offensive or on the defensive line in the Mac West for, for Zach Wilson. So this will be a learning experience. And we're going to move on to week eight here.
0: Let's talk about those Patriots because they are a team who have morphed a little bit as the season has gone along. The last time these two teams faced each other, in fact, it was a Patriots team that was still trying to be bully ball. And they could have been it at that point, Hayden, because Damian Harris had, I think, 60 yards and a score. But I remember going back and saying, well, we could have had a lot more if they wanted just to run the football over and over and over again. That was 11 touches for James White in that contest. So those are going to go somewhere here. But what they've changed to is spring the field out a little bit more and a big, big emphasis on Mac Jones making good decisions
1: after the snap. What have you seen from Mac Jones as of late? So I think there's been like two parts of the season that we kind of need, need to distinguish. In the first two weeks when James White was there, I think that he was scared to pull the trigger, and that's why his uh, average depth of target was at 5.5 yards downfield. Since then, in the last four weeks, we're seeing, instead of him going from first read down to the check down, he's kind of going from one to two, maybe even to to read number three before settling in. I'm not sure if that's because there is no James White on the field or if it's just because he's feeling more comfortable in ripping these, these passes. But either way, in the last four weeks, his eight odds up to 8.8 yards in, instead of the 5.5. So that's a pretty big gap. And in any sample you pick his accuracy is just super impressive right now. Uh, according to sports info solutions, he's fourth in catchable ball rate. Um, he's seventh out of 32 quarterbacks and completion percentage over expected. Just the, what he does with accuracy and what he's willing to do it inside the pocket. One, he can move around the pocket a little bit more than we expected. Number two, This dude's willing to take a hit and he is willing to do it time and time again. We saw this at Alabama too. So I think that we're already seeing him take steps in the right direction. And that's including a little bit more downfield stuff. And like that's the part where the big question is for the long term. Could he get stronger? Because now he's making those throws. Yeah. A lot of those throws are touch passes, though. He needs to be able to rifle it in, but Right now, like this is like all you can ask for for a rookie quarterback. If you just look at like the EPA completion percentage over expected over like the last five years for rookie quarterbacks, I'm mean, just like it's just Herbert and then him and then like everybody else. So it's pretty impressive what he's doing. Obviously, you can talk about the ceiling here, but on a play to play basis, Mac Jones is playing really high quality football for a rookie. Yeah, the arm talent.
0: I know people hate that term, but it is different when watching him versus you know the Herberts or the Kyler Murrays of the world, but you can see the brain working and, and the brain operating. And so it's not just him adjusting on the fly. It's, it's the play calling as well. And I actually thought Josh McDaniels threw in some really cool wrinkles this past weekend. Like they had Ramondre Stevenson right next to Mac Jones. They motioned Johnny Smith into the backfield. It was obviously shotgun play action fake to Johnny and allowed Ramondre to run the wheel down the seam. And that's where he was hit. Then they went back to it with Johnny Smith. To Mac is right, Damien Harris motioning in. So then the linebacker carried with Johnny Smith down the seam. Same exact play, different player running it. And so then the checkdown was there to to Damien Harris. What I it's frustrating to me is I can see him performing at a high level compared to maybe the physical talents he has out there. You can do it too in a very difficult environment right now. One that you know lacks explosive playmakers. One where all the money isn't hitting on some of these top free agents already, but Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels aren't trusting him in like game dependent situations, like game changing scenarios. They passed up on four short yardage opportunities on fourth down. And then with 90 seconds left in the first half, just played for, you know, the third quarter, like we need to start seeing these. And I I think part of it, Hayden is because Bill Belichick and Josh have never had to be in this scenario. You know, they've had Tom to trust in for decades and now that they're here they have to change their ways because we see that like using all four downs is a game changer for a lot of the best teams in the NFL
1: i think he's earned it if he was playing like he, he was has. in the first week or the, like week 1 to week 3 then yeah i get taking these uh going into halftime last week or not going for fourth down but i think the last couple of weeks it's a it's a slightly different player and i think that they should be more aggressive like you said though this is not a good environment for mac jones outside the coaching staff's great the defense is cool that's that's all fun fun stuff but their wide receivers aren't getting open john smith's getting nothing the offensive line still looks pretty bad last week was a little bit better um but it's just like not a good environment for for mac jones so that's just like makes all this the more impressive real real quick last note i have on passes uh traveling more than 15 yards downfield He's 24th out of 31 quarterbacks in completion percentage of respect. I think, and you watch this when he has to try to step into the things, his mechanics can kind of get all over the place. I think that's where he just like, needs to get physically stronger. So like, this is kind of like the, is, can you fix accuracy? Maybe I, I guess Josh Allen can, like, could you fix arm strength like with a couple of in the weight room? We'll see. Cause he he's going to need to do that. But like anything within 15 yards in line of scrimmage right now, he's been excellent for, um, for rookie quarterback.
0: A, a certain former Patriots quarterback had an arm stronger in his 40s I didn't want than to he say did it in his 20s. So maybe they can hook him up a little bit. Closing thought here on the Patriots. We've talked about this in the usage show. We talked about this in the instant reaction show where we're here with bye weeks. A lot of conversation around the Patriots running backs. Again, the last time these two teams played, Damian Harris had 16 carries for 62 yards and a score. The opportunity was there for far more. But let's bring up again those 11 touches for, for James White. That passing down role is kind of being split right now between Brandon Bolden and Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson actually looks like oddly slippery for a guy his size when you get to second level. Like he was making linebackers and even Trevon Diggs miss once he got the ball out in space. I still firmly believe that like the number one ball carrier on this team is Damian Harris, and in a game that you're expected to win by seven points. We should expect around 15 carries for him as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe a little bit more touches for Ramondre Stevenson too.
1: Yeah. Right now the the teams facing the Jets have the fifth highest neutral pass rate. Their teams are choosing to run the ball on the Jets. And that's been leading to the Jets ranking 28th against fantasy running back. So this is a Damian Harris week. Maybe we get something from Ramondre Stevenson. But I think that Ramondre is a Damien Harris ankle roll away from being like a fantasy starter. Maybe if you're in like deep bye week hell, I get it. Uh, maybe you can steal a goal line touchdown again. But uh, right now, I think it's Damian Harris. And even with the injuries and the fumbles, all and stuff, they keep going to him first.
0: And with spreading this team out, they're actually asking Damian to be a bit more of a passing down player, but in terms of pass protection. Um, so I've been just been noticing that just from the eye test, maybe not numerically. Okay. Atlanta Falcons, Miami Dolphins. Yes, we have to cover this game. It gets worse, actually, at points during the show. 47.5 total. The Falcons are 2-3, and three, and they're 2.5-point favorites here. Let's talk about them first. Tenth in expected points this week. Wow. They're coming off a bye week. and previous that, a win against the Jets. By the way, why doesn't Miami get a bye after there?
1: They game chose game? not to. They chose not
0: to. Really?
1: Yeah. I don't know why.
0: Okay. Where are we at? On the Falcons after a really weird start to the season, a lot of disappointment around a lot of their pass catchers. What we saw again prior to the bye was a true breakout game for Cal Pitts. And dare I say that Calvin Ridley is due for one.
1: Yes, Calvin Ridley is definitely a positive regression candidate. They're also getting Russell Gage back from his ankle injury. So I think the big question is: the Falcons love to be in 12 personnel. So there's Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts. That's Russell Gage, and that's Calvin Ridley. What the hell are they going to be doing with Cordell Patterson? Is this the week where the Mike Davis trutherism comes back to kick us right in the nuts? So I think that's like the big thing is what is CPat's role going to be? Is he going to play more wide receiver snaps? Is he going to play more Mike Davis snaps? What is his role going to be? Are they just going to go to eleven personnel and keep him out of wide receiver? So I was impressed by Cordell Patterson out as a receiver, and I don't know what they're going to do. And I think that this is impossible to predict. I want to start Mike Davis. Um, but I do think that the floor for all these guys is a little bit lower because somebody is getting screwed here. I don't know if it's going to be Hayden Hurst or if it's going to be CPAT or if it's going to be Mike Davis, but there's not enough room for all these well, guys. Why not Russell
0: Gage? He's the one who hasn't done anything sure. this season. So why not just have CPAT out there instead of Russell Gage? It's not that simple. But in my brain, it can be like, why not have four playmakers out there instead of I hope so. taking one off the field? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting to me because you, we talked so much this offseason about the Falcons and how Arthur Smith was going to change their success inside of the red zone. What's changed the most is their downfield game. I mean, Matt Ryan has just 12 passes of 20-plus yards this season. That's 30th in the NFL. He was second in the entire league last year with, with 78. And this isn't totally fair because we know Calvin Ridley really has a bye week and a missed game prior to that. He had 36 targets of 20 plus yards last season. That was first in the league this year. He only has seven 34th. Like this is just an area where he is so good. One of the best in the NFL. And yet I can't answer if it's Matt Ryan's arm, which sometimes it looks like it, even though he looked better, you know, a couple weeks ago than he did in the first three or four weeks. Is it the offensive line? They're not trusting for seven step drops. Is it just Arthur Smith and, that game that he's playing and the offense that's limiting this vertical attack, or is the combination of of all three? But again, after the bye week, that was such a staple of this team last season. I know new play caller, but we'll definitely be tracking to see if that ramps up as we go along this season.
1: This is a good week for Calvin Ridley really to hit those deep downfield shots. If you just look at what the Dolphins are doing on defense right now, they've completely regressed from last year. They're 25th in adjusted sack rate, so maybe. Matt Ryan has an extra time or second or two in the pocket and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are both battling through injuries right now. And that's led to the dolphins ranking 29th 29th against fantasy wide receivers. So maybe this is the Calvin Ridley week. If he is as good as we think, and the dolphins run this much press man coverage, he should just win the one-on-one matchups, hopefully downfield and lead to some explosive plays. So I think this is hopefully the Calvin Ridley week. I I do want to note though, it is kind of nuts to me that the Falcons are favored here. This is not my underdog of the week, but I was considering it. Like you said, you were surprised that they were projected for the tenth most points of this week. Yeah, I think I was kind of equally surprised that they were two and a half point favorites on the road. So um, I, I guess that's probably narratives about like how is the locker room with all the, the Deshaun Watson stuff? How is the, the the team travel after coming back from London? But I think like these teams are pretty even, and I was kind of surprised that the Falcons are favored by two and a half here.
0: Closing question here on the Falcons. Then we will move over to the Dolphins. Top three tight ends, I think you're kind of separating themselves, right? In your Travis Kelsey's and your Mark Andrews and your Darren Waller. Rest of season, Cal Pitts, tight end four. Does that make the most sense?
1: Yeah, I think I think he's right in that conversation. I think I would throw in Hawkinson in, in there as well. We'll get to him in a second. But yeah, I think it's, those are the top five.
0: All right. I I appreciate your loyalty. I definitely do. Okay. Let's jump to nope. We'll talk about it. Let's jump to Miami's side of this. What a Weird week in that quarterback room. Again, in London, Tua makes his return, throws for 329 yards, which Tua's, you know, standards, it's pretty damn good, right? Then, tons of rumors that they're trading for Deshaun Watson. The only player that really excites me, and yes, Mike Kosicki is, you know, running really well now and is being utilized as a legit wide receiver and not as a tight end just like he has been the last Couple of years, but not in the first two weeks of the season. The more I watch him, the more I focus on him. Hayden, Jalen Waddle is the critical, the critical piece to this Miami Dolphins team.
1: Yeah. And he's averaging uh, like five or six more points per game without Devontae Parker. And then with Will Fuller, they're, not, they're using way more 12 personnel, like 70% of their dropbacks in the last couple of weeks have been in 12 personnel. So that's really good, positive news for Jalen Waddle. I think that Devontae Parker is going to return. He was limited in practice, but I, I get it. Like Jalen Waddle makes a lot of explosive plays. Um, and you can just see that he's a, a one tackle away from really going crazy here. So it's, it's going to be Jalen Waddle. It's going to be Mike Gasicki. And I think that if Devonte Parker plays, he's going to have the toughest matchup against AJ Terrell, who's actually second in coverage snaps per reception this year. He's playing at a pretty high level. So I think that Jalen Waddle is going to dodge that. And they just don't have the linebackers and safeties right now to stop Waddle and Kasiki And he's
0: opening things up for, for Mike Kasiki because oftentimes they're running route combinations on the same side of the field. And oftentimes the linebackers or safeties or corners, if it's zone coverage or like their eyes are trained to go to Jalen Waddle. So the opening goes to Mike Kasiki Sometimes it's underneath and sometimes it's over top. And Jalen Waddles is the run who's uh, running the underneath route. You and I watch, you know, Dolphins, regrettably, every single week. Hayden, what is it about Tua that uh, that just makes him average? It's the whole package, right? Like, because I went back and watched this game this, this past weekend. And, I mean, it's the quick trigger is still there. He made some really nice throws to Mike Kosicki and to Jalen Waddell. But then at times, I think that, like, it's based on the situation that he's in necessarily behind the offensive line. Because he's not one of these players who is going to amplify or or elevate anyone around him. And his arm is like somewhat already limited that he has to be like on such the right timing and read on the primary or secondary option that if you also don't have the playmaking ability with your feet, which maybe he used to prior to his
1: hip injury, then that package like there's
0: a narrow window where you can actually win in the
1: NFL with him. He needs to be like five years into the, into the league to like understand all the coverages and all of that stuff. So you can like take advantage of his like plus accuracy because like right now he's not doing that much in the pocket, and they're just like asking him to do quite a lot. They're like in shotgun; it's like a bunch of RPOs. They're have the third neutral or third highest neutral pass rate all of a sudden now, and their offensive line's tattered. So it's 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 a tough situation for Tua to be in, especially with the locker room the way it is. I'm sure. Um, yeah. but I, I, just don't, I don't think that he has like a go-to trait. Like, is he not like Andy Dalton? Like, is that like, that's pretty harsh to say this early in his career, but like, what's his like go-to trait right now. And that's like the biggest reason why I think that the dolphins are going to be desperate enough to make a move. I don't know. That's before the deadline or this off season. I think that's another reason why like the Texans are rumored to not want, uh, to, uh, the, the, right. the, the freaking the, Dal- uh, the frickin Broncos don't want to, uh, like maybe he's going to go to like Washington or something crazy all of a sudden. So, I don't know. Like, I just don't think that they're like, you watch Justin Herbert and some of these other young guys, you even watch like Mac Jones, Mac Jones is like a more advanced version of Tua in my opinion. So I just think that it's just like, there's not like the game breaking traits for yeah. Tua. And then in this environment, you're going to get a very uh, low ceiling for this offense. Yeah.
0: The, the interesting part of this Deshaun Watson conversations this week is that Tua was catching a whole bunch of strays by the local beat writers. Non-stop. Like you mentioned it from the Texans, from the Broncos, even from Washington all the local guys were like, like actually no. our, our team doesn't want them. <laughs> our team doesn't no. want
1: him. Which I mean that
0: that's not it's, exactly it's fair. too
1: early for us to be critiquing Tua this much, but I think that there there is like some questions about like what exactly is the go-to trade form. And I think it is accuracy, but like that's like take advantage of the accuracy. Like you have to be a couple years in to like understand what's going on and like evade some hits in the pocket. And we'll see. We'll see.
0: Um, here's from a comment. Give me a break with Mac Jones in comparison to Tua. I think both you and I, when we went back this this spring and watched Mac Jones in this Alabama offense, they were running different things with Mac Jones than they were with Tua that they weren't exactly able to run with Tua that they were doing with Mac Jones. The offense looked different in a yeah. lot of ways, and that stood out to me when uh, when when watching that. One final thing on the Deshaun Watson conversation, and again, let me always reiterate when we talk about Deshaun Watson, I believe there are 22 – cases out there against him and those are unsettled at the moment and I always want to bring that up before we talk about Deshaun. In relation to Miami, Charles Robinson came on the very first episode of the show and said that like the Dolphins name is at the top of this list for him and I think part of what might be happening right now and who knows if that's going to happen during the show or maybe next week during the trade deadline is that The owner, Stephen Ross, wants Deshaun Watson on this team. But what Brian Flores and Chris Greer did last year in terms of almost making the playoffs when no one expected them to be good, elicited a lot of respect and positivity. And so the owner said, okay, you guys trust Tua. You you like the roster that you've built. I'm going to trust you with that. That trust kind of withers away once you start going one and five. And something has to change. Like an owner just doesn't want to sit back and allow his team to get to this point, especially when you don't have your own like first round pick. Right. So I I think like the situation that they were in when the discussion and reports had been had previously during the off season might be totally different now because we know at the end of the day, if a trade for Deshaun Watson is going to happen, the owner is either the one making it or the one that's going to have to, to sign off on it.
1: Yeah. I think this is an owner driven thing. I think that there was actually a report from Benjamin Albright that the coaching staff didn't really want Tua uh, last year, and that the owner wanted to, uh, and this is just seems like a an owner that doesn't know what he wants and just keeps wanting to be pretty aggressive. Probably because he said, "I was tanking for two and a half years here. Like, let's 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 win some ball games all of a sudden." So yeah, I think that um, it, it's unfair for Tua to be in this situation. I think that he can be a a decent uh, quarterback in the NFL, but uh, yeah, exactly. I understand it from the Dolphins' perspective, like if they just want to blow the whole thing up and make a massive move. Uh, move on the field, obviously the Deshaun Watson stuff off the field. Like I don't think we have to keep saying that. Like we all understand how bad the situation is over there.
0: Final thing on Tua. I, I wish that this team was in like the perfect environment that they were trying to build. Like, Hey, the top two round draft picks we draft in the offensive line. If they were awesome, that'd be great. If you know, signing Will Fuller to go, with a top six draft pick and Jalen Waddle and Devonte Parker and Mike Kosicki and all these names, that would be awesome, but it's not, it's not like that. And so often we see it go imperfectly around the league and it's, you know, elevated by the quarterbacks out there. And I just think that like, it's not exactly where they wanted to be obviously with Miami as a team, as a whole on offense and defensively. And then the quarterback is suffering because of that. Okay. Yep. That was a good conversation. Worthwhile. What's not is when we talk about the Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants. That's up next. The Panthers are three-point favorites on the road, a total of 43 in this game. I don't even know where to start. Let's start in the Panthers. and I mean, two franchises and a bit of turmoil right now, but we'll start with the favorites. I think the only safe options are DJ Moore and Chuba Hubbard, especially with Matt Rule and Joe Brady's comments this week that basically indicate, hey, we have absolutely zero trust in our quarterback and in our passing game, which includes the offensive line, which includes drops. So we are going to establish the run with our backup running back and against an offensive line that uh, is not top half of the NFL.
1: Yeah, Very bad pass-blocking offensive line and run-blocking offensive line. I think PFF has them – 28th uh, in pass, block, pass blocking, and Sam Darnold's just not good enough to kind of overcome that, and that's where he, all those flaws come out all of a sudden, so when the wide receivers are dropping passes and they are not, they can't pass block, this is what you get, and I was just looking back uh, against the Texans, Darnold had a, a plus .32 EPA per drop back, in all other games it's negative .13 negative .13 in all the other games that's a lot of interceptions, so uh, we're getting some rushing production from Sam Darnold, I think that he's athletic enough behind this offensive line where he makes some crazy plays and they are giving him some zone read type of action near the goal line. That's kind of saving his fantasy production, but um, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to call the season over too quick and make a huge thing with Sam Darnold, but this is, this is a good week uh, to kind of test that uh, on the road, but the giants are 29th in passing efficiency. Um, so this should be a good week for Darnold and Robbie Anderson in particular to get more on track here. Started 3 and 0,
0: they turned the ball over twice in those three wins. 0 3 cents, they turned the ball over eight times. This is not a bye week. But when your head coach goes out there, not immediately after the game as a reactionary thing, but once he has reviewed the tape on a Monday, he slept and on it. says, You're going to see a vastly different look from us as we move forward. That is an indictment on the quarterback play and just where he's at when there's chaos. And to be honest, it was there in the first three wins as well. Um, I'm like I mentioned, despite them maybe even running the ball 20, 25 times, absolutely still in with DJ Moore. What did stand out to me though last week and Hayden, I will never. I cannot do it this week even with how many buys there are. Suggest putting Robbie Anderson in your starting lineup, but some positivity, he had a 7.2 a dot last week, easily the lowest of the season. So if Terrace Marshall is still missing in this game, they might need some, you know, more slot options, especially if you run more 12 personnel, which if your offensive line is struggling, that might help too. If we get more, you know, routes closer to the line of scrimmage for Robbie Anderson, that's actually a big, big, big plus for us.
1: Robbie Anderson, wide receiver, 29 in fantasy usage. (laughs) We got it. I think that he is worthy of a flex during week hell. It's, You have to ignore the box scores, but the fantasy usage model does not lie to us, Josh. We know that Rodney Anderson could play a little bit. Talk
0: about the Giants. Um, Speaking of players missing, no Kadarius Toney, no Saquon Barkley, no Kenny Galladay. So Hayden, what we have now is a Giants team who's had some injuries along their offensive line, hang the ball off to Devontae Booker, throwing it to Sterling Shepard in the slot with... Daniel Jones, who is a turnover machine. Is there anything that you want to bring up on this giant scene before we move on from this game?
1: Are you starting Dante Pettis this week? <laughs> I'm That's their number two receiver right now. Uh, big note that I had just learning about like what the, the hell the Giants are doing. They put Andrew Thomas on injured reserve with an ankle injury. Uh, this year, the Giants are averaging 0.28 fewer EPA per play without Thomas on the field. That is massive. Like that brings them down to like the Jets and the Texans level offense when he's not out there. And that's, yeah. you can kind of see this compounding when their center's out, uh, another guard is out. And this is just like an offensive line that was already bad. Now they lose their best offensive line. And so um, I think that we know that we can get a uh, solid production from Devontae, um, at running back. And then I think that Sterling Shepard has completely solidified himself as a wide receiver too, especially without... Kadarius without Kenny Galladay expected to play. He's had 12.2, 16.8, and then most recently 18.5 expected half PPR points in his healthy games this year. So I think it's Sterling Shepard in a class of his own. And then maybe we can get like an Evan Ingram week if he ever wants to, you know, like catch the ball and move move upfield.
0: And w- again, we know the positivity around the Panthers defense too in those first three games. Obviously, they lost JC Horn. Obviously, yeah. Shaq Thompson's been down. And what Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, said that The Cowboys did really well in their victory was max protect and then just have to force, you know, really the backup secondary pieces um, of, of the Panthers defense to cover one on one against some great wide receivers and teams have just been doing that ever since and The Giants would be wise to do that because, as I say in the suite, 60 total interceptions plus fumbles in 34 career games for Daniel Jones. I mean, it's a turnover machine. Now, are those fumbles lost? No, but get over yourself. A fumble is a fumble. It's luck once it's on the ground, okay? But 60 combined interceptions and fumbles in 34 games for Daniel Jones. He has blinders on. So you're going to need Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick, Derek Brown, Daquan Jones, Morgan Fox, whoever else. To cause panic and Hayden, that might be their avenue to victory. Run the ball, create turnovers, short fields, all that kind of stuff. To me, like that's such a different spot where this team wants to be. But that's
1: gonna have have to be how they win this game. The Panthers need to win this game. I mean, give me a break. They had had to win last week. They had to win last week. I know, but like this is like, give me a break. The Giants are a team that's just a complete lost cause. Like this needs to be a win for the Panthers. I know it's on the road, but come on. Yeah.
0: Someone dropped. Kadarius, Tony and Charlie's league go get him I mean he had played six snaps three receptions for like 29 yards 39 yards it was unreal he'll be fine he'll be fine all right I think there's one more game in the one o'clock window and it is the Washington football team against the Green Bay Packers two and four Washington five and one Packers and yes I think they are seven and a half point favorites it has moved a lot actually this spread Hayden it opened it 10 massive number, still seven and a half is big. Um, I guess the only question here because, like, the, the Packers are so defined and what they bring to the table. If we can start with Washington, we've gotten like some not news, but just more of an understanding of how they plan to handle this backfield. And while it is a stress fracture in Antonio Gibson's tibia, Scott Turner comes out and says, Hey, we're basically don't practice them every week we're going to run him into the ground he's not using these words these are my words run him into the ground on on Sundays and when he can't go anymore he can't go anymore i mean hayden that stinks for his health he didn't even make it the full game last week but like are you going to pivot away from 12 to 14 touches here
1: if he dies he dies like that's, that's basically, basically what he said that's literally what they're saying i mean yeah this is a situation for antonio gibson during bye week hell you have to just trot him out there. He's still the goal line back. They still want to give him 10 plus carries whenever he is healthy. You are taking on way more injury risk for in-game setbacks. We saw it last week and you just never know of note. The Packers like always are getting crushed by the run. Again, they're 25th and rushing EPA. The there's, they're missing some guys on defense in general. And we know that that Taylor Heineke can't play. So they're going to try to get the ball to Antonio Gibson. So, um, I think this was encouraging news for Antonio Gibson that they got the MRI and they're still letting him practice on Thursday. They plan on suiting him up. Um, I'm still nervous, though, just in general. So keep keep J.D. McKissick out there. A couple other injury notes. Right guard, Brandon Sheriff, he's still not practicing. Same with Sam Cosby, their impressive uh, right tackle, the rookie. Um, so that's going to add some 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 interesting things for, for the Washington football team. No uh, Cam Sims, no Curtis Samuel still. Oh, you have some news? Don't have news, but look,
0: I know people are, are are looking from some very different plays, possibly in GPPs. I was stunned at how much they featured Dayami Brown last week. If you we went back and watched that, all different levels all across the formation – Diami Brown, with all the other injuries that they seemingly had him when working from behind, hey, he might be doing that here. They did in the first half when the Chiefs played like crap last week in the first half. Anyways, yeah. Dammy Brown is is like a featured element on this team, I feel like now. And so that, yep. that's someone to keep an eye on in this matchup.
1: They need him. He's just been doing nothing. I haven't yep. like done like a deep dive on him, but when I was looking at like yards per out run, like literally close to last. So I don't know what it is. I think that he can play. He's also a young receiver. And when we were talking about the pre-draft stuff with Diami Brown, a lot of it was just he was asked to do a very small amount of things. He did them at a very high level um, against some pretty good competition, but um, I hope that he has a, a breakout here. I, maybe we get some post by rookie love from Diami later in the season. That's possible. Packers end, we know what it is,
0: Hayden. We know it's Aaron Jones making people miss in the backfield. We know now A.J. Dillon is making this a two-person backfield, but not really taking away anything from Aaron Jones. He is just being really productive on his touches. That's probably the best way of saying this. And it's the brain combination, the fusion that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have here. I mean, what Devontae Adams did to Jalen Johnson last week is criminal stuff in 29 States out there. And then just making plays happen. Incredible, incredible combination. I'll add this though, Hayden. I don't think we've seen like an unleashed Packers offense yet. And we could see the best as the season goes along with David Bakhtiari in his spot at left tackle and Elton Jenkins more in his more natural positions.
1: Yeah, they've been doing this. They've been rotating their offensive pieces or the offensive line pieces just like every single week. So, yeah, this is an offense that's just been trucking along 27th in neutral pace, 17th in neutral pass rate, just having a very efficient offense without all of their skilled guys ready. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling still on injured reserve, um, did not practice quite yet so we know what what we're getting here it's devontae adams as the best wide receiver in the league and washington still dead last against fantasy quarterbacks and dead last against uh fantasy wide receivers they're getting some pass rush but their secondary is just they can't get anything figured out
0: have zero clue how jack terrio is still catching checks i mean pieces free agency draft picks and it's all gone to hell did you hear that Ron Rivera called his starting safety a a downhill linebacker this week in landing? Oh Collins? yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's he wrong. that's I mean that's basically what he is though. Let's be yeah. honest.
0: <laughs> but then you see at times he's like the single high safety where Jack Dario is putting him as, and
1: he's too know. big for that role. Like that, that's a big dude. But I'm saying that the, no one's on the field. same page.
0: Yeah, No one's okay. Four o'clock games before we get there. Everyone that is in here right now, yes, I am talking to you, David and Alexander and Jacob and Shirley and Tony, we are on the road to 10,000 subscribers. Make us look back on this video in a year when we have 50,000 and just laugh at ourselves for wanting to get to 10K. I appreciate you all being here for our Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday shows, two on Sunday. We have plenty of basketball content too. I know a lot of people are watching the NBA these days. World Wide Wob feels like he's on this channel every single night and uh, obviously you get the newsfeed. As well. So go and subscribe down below. Thank you so much for doing that. Okay, here we go. Let's start off with the Chicago Bears against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the four o'clock window. The Bears are three and three, but they are 12 and a half point road dogs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are five and one. Hayden, I don't care about the Bucs right now. I just want to talk about Justin Fields, if that's okay with you, because this is the game that we have had circled. For weeks, we've seen fields, 27, 20, 17 passing attempts over the last few weeks and his starts. But as we have pointed out, as you have pointed out, teams just know that they cannot run against the Bucks, So they don't try to run against the Bucs. Do we think that Matt Nagy has enough brain cells up there to utilize the same exact game plan? And we see 30, 35 passing attempts in a win or loss for the bears this week.
1: It's a bat fight. Like you just alluded to the bears are dead last in neutral pass rate. And they're just trying to hide Justin Fields. I think for some reasons, Justin Fields is definitely progressing as a rookie, but the bucks off the charts in the neutral pass rate on defense against them. They're at 78% or seventy-eight percent neutral pass. And the next closest down at 62%. So this is a total outlier. This is the week that we have to be judging Allen Robinson. If it doesn't happen here, it's basically, just not going to happen. This is with the massive point spread, the the pass funnel, the Buccaneers secondary. If it doesn't happen here, if we don't get ten targets from Al Robinson, I don't think it's going to happen here. So this is going to be a cool week for Justin Fields, where by out of necessity, we're going to see tons of dropbacks. I think it's going to be a lot of pressure for him, but I'm I'm excited to see him just try to rip the ball down the field because he always has the arm talent to uh, make those make the, all those throws.
0: Yeah. Let, I'll talk about the passing game in a moment. Let's talk about that running game first that hopefully the bears avoid. That's not to say that Khalil Herbert isn't a gym. Khalil Herbert has looked awesome. His vision backside lanes on zone schemes. Amazing. Um, Damien Williams, even productive in there, but as we've seen Damien Williams still on the reserve COVID list is not vaccinated. So the 10 day waiting period, we won't know until Saturday if he's going to play here. And again, let's reiterate that Khalil Herbert has been awesome, super productive, but Hayden, The best rusher against the Bucs in a win this season, in a loss, I should say, is Miles Sanders. Nine carries for 56 yards. Sonny Michel got 20 for 67 yards in a win. Cleo Herbert got 19 last week. And as you're alluding to, this team wants to be safe offensively, even though we talked about trust and respect that the Patriots should be giving Mac Jones. I think that the Bears should be letting Justin Fields make a few more mistakes. Like he is making mistakes in terms of holding the football a little bit too long and taking some unnecessary sacks. There's a lot of other throws like to Darnell Mooney or to even Allen Robinson, like some re- you look at the intended air yards per attempt. It's Lamar Jackson, number one, and it's Justin Fields. Number two, I need it in my bones to get 33 passing attempts from Justin Fields this week.
1: 100%. Yep. Uh, just circling back to Damian Williams. He, at the earliest is going to be cleared on Saturday, which means that he's not going to practice at all this week. So I think even if he is cleared, I think that it's going to be Khalil Herbert um, as the number one back. And I was looking at his pass protection, which he's been doing very well at. He's third in uh, pass protection grade among rookies, and he had the two-minute drill. So I think that in in negative game scripts, I think that Khalil Herbert at least will be out there. He's going to need to catch passes because we're not going to get any rushing guards from him. But I think that you can do worse than Khalil Herbert um, in bye week hell this week,
0: everyone out there knows that a lot of pick'em lines are based on other weeks, the previous performances, and the previous production. I think in a win or a loss, the Bears are going to have to, you know, handle Justin Fields differently as we're talking about in this conversation. And so his over under pick'em line is at just 212 total yards because so much of that was hamstrung in the past buy your Damien Williams, buy your Khalil Herbert. So the over to me is something that I'm definitely intrigued by on that pick them line. Um, and as always, you can get 10 free bucks. Use promo code, the show, pick five correctly, turn 10 bucks into 200, just download underdog fantasy as an app or go to desktop, deposit anything, be like AJ Brown, skip the guacamole and you get a free $10 on your first deposit. Okay. And quickly on Alan Robinson, I know he's dealing with an ankle injury, but the ankle injury is just making him look sluggish. I think you yeah. and I are both on that train, that it's not just yeah. like the lack of opportunities. It's also just him as a player, and that's what we're tracking. Uh, Buckside, Antonio Brown is struggling in practice, might not get on the field here. And if he's not in the field, I know we're always starting Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but even more, that would raise them up rankings for
1: sure. You, you know what you're doing as this host thing, because you're setting me up right for the Benji of the week, Chris Godwin is going to get back on track here. If you just look where the bears are best at, like I know that Devontae Adams got the best of Jalen Johnson, but Jalen Johnson's is a pretty good corner out there. They're worse as uh, in the slot. They are starting this guy, Xavier Crawford. who was a six round uh, pick in 2019 at slot corner. And if you remove Antonio uh, Brown from the lineup, this should be a big, big, big week for Chris Godwin. Then if you look at the fantasy usage model, wide receiver 22 over the last four weeks and in, in usage, but just the wide receiver 37. So positive regression, good matchup, no Antonio Brown. Uh I like Chris Godman's but Benji of the Week. Xavier Crawford from No Idea. Chat,
0: three, two, one. Two right answers. Oregon State and Central Michigan. Chippewa. That's right. Chippewa. Um for Leonard Fournette, we have outlined as a potential rest of season difference maker at the running back position. You know, Daryl Henderson has been that through the first six weeks of the season. Leonard Fournette has 376 yards from scrimmage over the last three weeks. That's third in the NFL only behind Derrick Henry and only behind Jonathan Taylor. Only an injury is going to take him out of that, you know, role that is just racking up yards and what we just have to hope for is that he gets a few opportunities inside the five-yard line too, and they just don't throw the ball in those situations.
1: Yeah. Of note, Akeem Nix, who's a veteran, just nose tackle, awesome football player. Uh, he apparently re-aggravated his groin. He's not practicing yet. The Bears' defense, on average, is averaging uh, .22 EPA per carry when Hicks is on the field. That goes all the way up to point oh two EPA per carry. Teams are just way better – moving the ball. And this is not just like a one-year sample. Every single time Akeem Nix isn't on the field, teams can all of a sudden run. And uh, the other thing is, this is just just not about the run game. This is like compounding factors here. The Bears just rush four only, and they never blitz, and they just like let those guys get home. But if there's no interior pressure, and you see time and time again, Tom Brady, it's the interior pressure that he hates the most. If they can't get that this week, good night. Uh On
0: more injury news, Antoine Winfield expected to return after sitting two games, but then the questions arise about Levante David, Carlton Davis, Richard Sherman, who left for that hamstring injury very early on. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been banging on Antonio Brown, who we think is still playing it like back to his Hall of Fame ways. It's unreal what he's doing out there on the field. I even saw like different reports where Mike Garofalo got out there on NFL Network and said his ankle is no great concern, but had no like. Status on if he's definitely gonna play or not. So again, we'll just find out on Sunday.
1: Okay. Very vague in those guys at the NFL. Very vague Very vague.
0: Jump to the Philadelphia Eagles, Las Vegas Raiders, Vegas at home, favored by three points. They are four and two. 49 total in this game. Can we start with the Eagles? Um, even like from a football conversation from a fancy football conversation, he's magic, but I don't know what to think of him. You know, like the offense, there's multiple layers of this. Like the offense doesn't do itself any favors, which stinks because when you look at the rookie and Devonte Smith, he's doing his job on like every single snap and, and winning at the top of all of his routes. And then Jalen Hurts turns on his, you know, scoring ways in the second half. And I think the coaching is at fault. The offensive line is at fault. Sometimes they don't even move out of their stance. But even sometimes Jalen Hurts is at fault too in terms of inaccurate passes and bad quarterback mechanics. Help me out. What do you see when you look at the Eagles and survey them from, from above?
1: Well, they're playing with like 10 players on the field because Jalen Rager is 94th out of 101 qualifiers in PFF grade and 95th in yards per route run. So they're getting nothing from him. I do think that when you remove Zach Ertz from the offense, Obviously, massive news for for Dallas Goddard. He had like two more expected full PPR points without him last year. I think you're going to see a transition to more 11 personnel. Get Quez Watkins, who's better than Rager, in my opinion, onto the field more. More vertical slot stuff. Um, That's what they need from him. Uh, Matchup note for Devonta Smith. I agree with you. He is winning on the outside. There's not getting on the same page with Jalen Hurts. I think it's a lot of Jalen Hurts' fault. A little bit late, a little bit inaccurate. Um, And just quick shout out, Casey Hayward, 32 years old, gets reunited with Gus Bradley. He's first in coverage snaps per reception this year as a 32-year-old. That's super impressive stuff. They're getting a lot of production from Max Crosby and Casey Hayward on the Raiders defense. And that's why they're not bottom five in all these metrics. All of a sudden, they're right in the middle of the pack. And I think that's why the Raiders are in that uh, AFC wildcard hunt, getting good stuff from Derek Carr, getting much better play from their defense under uh, Gus Bradley. We saw Zach Ertz get traded after last week's game. Dallas Goddard
0: was on the COVID list. Dallas Goddard returned today, but didn't get a full practice and was just limited on the sideline. I'm assuming that's mainly just for, you know, stamina fatigue purposes, not to get him out there on the first day back. Cause Hayden, I would be shocked if the Eagles were willing to trade Zach Ertz without knowing that like Dallas Goddard was going to be fit to play as soon as as that trade happened. Do you, does that make yeah. sense? Does that line of thinking yeah. make sense?
1: But they also could be playing the, the long run here. Um, we, we do a couple well, of other notes four. <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, Eagles are first in neutral pass rate, which is just incredible with. And I think that we could see that scale back a little bit. And they're getting Miles Sanders onto the field more. The Kenny Gainwell experience has basically just been rugged from underneath. That's only 11 of 38 routes. Last week against those Bucks in negative game script, they, they just used Miles Sanders out there. But even with that, you just look at the Eagles. They don't use their running backs at all. It's just like it's all Jalen Hurts. So this is flawed for fantasy, flawed for real life. The only non-flaw of this is Jalen Hurts is just continually putting up top five numbers. But
0: second halves. It's like all second half. It's so weird. Like They can't sustain drives unless it hits the third quarter. And then like they start going. Like they go three and out, four and out, five and out, like all the time. And it's so weird to me. It's so weird. On the other end, we just talked about like the lack of consistency in the Eagles passing game. Dare I say the Raiders are one of the most consistent passing offenses weird. In, in the NFL. Very weird. Um, what we're getting from from Derek Carr, 41 attempts of 20 plus yards this year. That's seven more than any other quarterback. In the NFL and we saw Henry Ruggs. He's almost like a discount version of Jamar chase without all the touchdowns in terms of his vertical ability. We know Darren Waller's getting it done. Hunter Renfro is very much a slot player. Brian Edwards makes fourth quarter catches as well. And then they've really turned to, you know, Josh Jacobs in the running game and Kenyon Drake in the passing game last week. Hayden, dare I say that this team is a kind of well balanced in a, in a
1: fun way each week. They're pretty well balanced and you're getting just the next step of Henry Ruggs. You're getting uh, a little less production from Darren Waller, but I think that it's just kind of drops related last year. He dropped two of his 140 targets this year. He's dropped five of his 52. So that's just kind of explained the difference. If you look at targets per game, all that stuff, it looks normal for, for Darren Waller. So I think that there could be a huge Darren Waller game. I know he's been struggling recently, but this is like the matchup for the Eagles with their linebacker situation at home. Vegas has them projected for the seventh most points this week. I think this could be a huge, huge, huge Darren Waller bounce back in.
0: It's not a narrative we get all the time, but like the post firing one of, of teams can work out. I know in the premier league, there's always that bump of a new manager coming in and changing things. Obviously the Raiders coaching staff has worked with these players, Constantly, but this quote actually to me, Josh Jacobs stood out where he said, Hey, we knew if we made a mistake, no one's going to just scream and yell at us on the sideline. It was so much more peaceful. It was tranquil out there. And, uh, that kind of shows you maybe what his players thought of John Gruden as well. Interesting. Final note, I just found this tidbit in my notes and I know it makes sense when you're trailing, but Jalen hurts has two touchdowns when leading the season. 11 when trailing. Um, Our garbage time games. hero. He loves fantasy points. That's for sure. Okay. Two games left in the four o'clock window and they both suck. Let's go to the Owen six Detroit lions, the five and one Los Angeles Rams for 15 point favorites here, a total of 50 and a half. Easiest question of all time.
1: Hayden, what do you want to talk about here? Uh, can I go to Robert Woods? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, first of all, the Rams first in passing EPA, the Lions 32nd and the Lions don't have any healthy players on defense on top of it. So it's like it's you're going to start all these guys of note though, Robert Woods, his usage is just completely changed. And I think that the big thing, obviously, his a dots up and the thing that's been the change is the screens are down from like one point five per game down to like 0.6 per game. And then his carries, same exact stats. Uh, down from 0.15 last year to 0.67 this year. So you're not getting those gimme touches. You are getting a potentially elevated weekly ceiling from Robert Woods because we know how explosive this offense is, and he's being targeted 10, 25 yards downfield. So okay. they're ceiling games, but like the, the consistent Robert Woods, good night, not getting the screen stuff because they don't need them. You, when you have Jared Goff, you need the screens. You need your TJ Hawkinson, 10 targets and negative game script. When you have Matthew Stafford, it's just like, all right, first and 10, rip shot, 20-yard pickup. And right now it's been Cooper Cup getting most of that stuff, but Robert Woods could still blow up. I just think that he's going to be more boom bust uh, than, like, the high floor uh, wide receiver, two. I was hoping he was going to be. Yeah, a dot is very much a, a quarterback-related
0: stat sometimes, too. Um, so much of this game is narrative-based. You know, it's, it's Jared Goff going back to L.A. to the team that gave him a whole bunch of money. I'm not going to call it a revenge game because the Rams, you know, filled up Jared bank account. He should be thankful for that. Not mad at them. Um, But it stands out to me, Hayden. Still, we're getting the discourse from the Rams. I hear our buddy Jordan Rodrigue. I see her post columns. It seems like every single week. Just Sean McFay still glowing about all the things he can do with Matthew Stafford out there on the field. Now he can unlock every single pass catcher out there. And it's like he's still realizing this six to seven weeks. It's like, oh, this is amazing. This is what a real quarterback's like. Meanwhile, What we heard from Dan Campbell and the Lions coaching staff this week is we got to have our quarterback step up. What do you think was going to fucking happen, guys? Like, you you took on this type of quarterback that was limited in this behind and with a whole roster combined with defense that is not good. So, like, your expectations needed to be set for this type of thing. But maybe that's just what a team says when they're 0-6 and we have to motivate, you know?
1: My hot take is the Lions have done this perfectly. Outside of extending Goff, I, that's like the one thing I just did not understand yeah. was restructuring his contract. I love the trade for Jared Goff. He's uh, He can get DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkins and some of these other guys the ball enough, and you're going to lose a lot of games and tank. Um, and they've been playing things pretty close. I just, this is not going to be a fun experience for Jared Goff. I almost feel bad for him. I mean, they ship him to Detroit. He's a California dude They ship him to Detroit. Now he's got to come back to L.A., and projected to lose by sixteen points, like
0: at least it's a dome. Oh, like at least it wasn't like Pittsburgh or Cleveland, you know, where he was playing like outdoors in the AFC North. Like at least he's playing in the dome up north.
1: You know what I'm saying? What does he do like on that like a Friday evening though? That's what I'm worried about.
0: I, we need to go to Detroit. Let's figure it out. Okay. Let's go to Detroit. Uh, yes, obviously you're playing Daryl Henderson. He might be a top five running back this season, and it wouldn't shock er, this week. I should say it wouldn't shock me for all sure this it. week. Yeah, of Michelle. Gets 8 to 10 touches this week in, in that backfield. And yeah, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. And you're still, this is the ideal matchup for DeAndre Swift. I mean, beautiful, beautiful. Say it. Also, beautiful stuff for T.J. Hawkinson coming here. Okay. Uh, let's go on over to the other blowout game that's predicted. And another game with some revenge. And I think it's real revenge here. The 1-5 Houston Texans, 47.5 total against the Arizona Cardinals, 17.5 point fair. It's the last time I checked. Still the only undefeated team left in the NFL. We know about DeAndre Hopkins facing the Arizona Cardinals. Now you throw in J.J. Watt into the mix as well. Um, what I saw about this Arizona Cardinals defense, Hayden, that stood out to me last week against the, the Cleveland Browns. It was absolute disrespect to Baker Mayfield. They were putting like nine players in the box against 12 personnel, against 13 personnel. I'm just saying, Hey, when I'm on the outside, we're going to ask our quarterback. You're going to, we're going to force your quarterback to beat us. Um, I'll also throw in that Jordan Phillips, our run stuffing defensive tackle made his debut last week. And so this team where the run fits had been iffy at the start, we saw that James Robinson week, I think Isaiah Simmons, I think Zayvon Collins, Jordan Hicks, and definitely Jordan Phillips all have kind of united to turn around a weakness on that team, on a defense that deserves our respect.
1: I thought you were going to go the revenge narrative and talk about David Johnson bounce back week where he's coming back
0: <laughs> against <laughs> the
1: Cardinals, not the other way around. Yeah. I mean, this is a start everybody week. Uh, I was considering James Connor as my Benji of the week, just because of like game script and they're getting in the rock a little bit more. So this is a week where you start Edmonds, you start Connor, you start all of these guys. Um, very curious to see what the Cardinals do with Zach Ertz. I think that they're going to go back to 11 personnel. He, Zach Ertz is basically a slot wide receiver and we'll see what Rondell Moore's snap rates could do. But this is a game script where a screen to Rondell Moore can go for a 60-yard touchdown against the the, the Texans. So I don't, I don't I wouldn't go against any of these guys. You can start – and by week hell. this is a week to start literally, what? You can start seven or eight Cardinals in fantasy this week, and I think that's rightfully so.
0: James Connors a really solid play. We expect them to score a whole bunch of points. They're expected to score 32 and a quarter – We know that the rushing touchdowns flow through James Conner inside the five-yard line, so I like that one a lot. Okay, it is primetime game time, Hayden, but before we get there, I need all of you triple digits in the chat. Chase, Miguel, Caesar, your new names. 60% of you who watch this are not subscribed. What are you doing? Fix that. Smash it down below. Hit the like button while you're there. If you really care for us, hit the notifications bell. Okay. Here we go. Sunday night football on the good old Peacock. Oh, Sunday night. (laughs) Two and four Indianapolis Colts. The two and three San Francisco 49ers are four-point favorites at home. 44 total in this game. Before I let you go, not breaking news, and we know the weathermen can be wrong. All of us in this room can be wrong. But the weather, looking awful. In San Francisco here on Sunday night, tons of rain, wind gusts in 20 miles per hour range. Hayden, what do you think that does with the trebuchet, as we call him, with Carson Wentz, who's making some unreal throws as of late? Paris Campbell, Moali Cox, Michael Pittman, and they get T.Y. Hilton back.
1: Well, Ty Hilton's questionable, and they lose Paris Campbell to injury, well, so it's like not going. i was going to keep myself after. <laughs> yeah, but Carson Wentz is playing very well. The last mm-hmm. three weeks, he's fourth in EPA per dropback, and fifth in completion percentage over expected. He Ooh. looks way healthier. He doesn't. He doesn't have that explosiveness that he once had. Um, but I think that he's playing well enough, and I don't really trust the 49ers, and that's why the Colts are my. Underdog of the week here. I just want to put some faith into my boy, Michael Pittman. I don't trust what the the 49ers defense is doing. They're like kind of figuring things out, but I, I don't really trust them outside of Nick Bosa and, and Fred Warner. So I think that this is a good spot where you can kind of catch the 49ers by surprise here. And I think that the, the Colts are playing okay football uh, right now.
0: I am right in sync with you. They also are my underdog pick of the week. It's for a few different reasons. One, Quentin Nelson should be coming back, which we know a difference that can make. They've had Eric Fisher at left tackle for a little bit now. That stabilized. I know Brayden Smith has been working to the side in practice, but you know, three or four strong pieces along the offensive line. And look at this with Carson Wentz. I mean, last week, 223 yards and two touchdowns on just 11 completions. I mean, it is a bit high variance as we're seeing, but he's willing to throw down the field. And Hayden, while we have talked about it earlier in the year with Carson Wentz and the mistakes he was making, a lot of those were just sacks he shouldn't be making, like shouldn't be taking. The interceptions, I think he just has one on the season. Is that and that's it. I I think because his feet get planted, and part of that is you know because the injuries he sustained, he understands like the outlets. He understands the. How to avoid the like hyper negative plays in a Frank Reich offense where he is, is much more comfortable than he has been in any other system. I mean, dating back to his MVP basically season, didn't win it, but he could have. And then another out of wrinkle that I love, Hayden, is that they are featuring Jonathan Taylor in the passing game. Like they're getting him out with tunnel screens on the right side of the field and like manufacturing receptions with Jonathan Taylor. That's beautiful. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. The other reason why I had the 49ers uh, as like the, on the bad end of the underdog of the week is Trent Williams doesn't practice this week with that elbow injury and an ankle injury. Obviously he can play without practicing if they wanted to, but I don't really love that. And the, quietly the 49ers offensive line, just in general is just like not really getting the job done, especially in, in the ground game. Like there's a reason why the 49ers are 26th in rushing EPA right now. And the Colts are first in rushing EPA defense. With revenge game, Forrest Buckner and then Darius yep. Leonard playing at a high level once again, too. So um, lots of injuries. No George Kittle yet. Brandon Ayuk is on a um, a milk carton, and it's just like all Debo Samuel right now, and it's going to be Jimmy G again out there.
0: Yeah, for those of us watching on YouTube, look at all those throws, 10-plus yards on the field, even 20-plus yards on the field from Carson Wentz. Again, the efficiency, the completion percentage might not be there, but look at that in comparison to what Jimmy Garoppolo's putting out there. It's a lot of stuff within 10 yards and then a lot of missed throws, 15 plus yards down the field. And so we haven't seen Jimmy prior to the bye week. We didn't see him for the game before the bye week or the half before that game. Right. And so it's basically been two and a half weeks since we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo on the field and he wasn't even playing well to start it. Now, what if, you know, he was able to reset have that start off, have the bye week, start hitting more of these outside throws. This 49ers team through the first six weeks is one of the more confounding, confusing ones to date because it was a different running back at the start of the season. It was Brand Ayuk not being out there in full situations. How are they going to use the quarterbacks? And they basically lied to us in terms of packages. Well, now it almost has to be... Typical it has to be defined And I feel like we're really going to find out Who the 49ers are from here Moving forward but the to the Point of like us still having those questions Four points is a lot For all those questions yeah. that we still have
1: you know? I agree I, I do think that Jimmy G Starting is good news for Debo Samuel and in, in theory Brandon you if you just look at catchable ball Right uh, per sports info Solutions Jimmy G is 10th Out of 39 quarterbacks Trey Lance At 36 so I think you're going to get more passing volume with Jimmy G under center and just more on target passes for Trey Lance right now, just like not getting the job done. And I think that for fantasy purposes, if you are in bi-week hell, I am streaming Jimmy G this week just because no Trey Lance, if he is inactive here, that's a couple end zone red zone looks that Jimmy G was not getting here too. So um, very weird game. It's going to be a bad low scoring game. Both teams play slow Both teams have like bend, don't break defenses. Um, So not a very sexy game. But I think that I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 24-21 Colts.
0: Monday Night Football? Monday Night Football. Let's do it. The 3-2 and New Orleans Saints. Team Alvin Kamara. Four and a half point road favorites against the Seattle Seahawks, who are 2-4. and A total, I think I already said that, a 43 and a half. Um, What's the right way to go about this game? Hayden, To me, it's a cover situation for the Saints. Like four and a half points isn't enough when you consider that coming out of the bye week, Teron Armstead and Eric McCoy are both back in this lineup. Their left tackle, their center, both practiced today, I believe. So that points out to me that this style that's gotten them to three and two, where it's running the ball with Alvin Kamara, it's limiting certain situations for Jameis Winston, but allowing him to test vertically when he can, that's going to be even more proficient and in in a closer to perfect environment for him to do that with both of those offensive linemen
1: back. Yep. And Traquan Smith, he might be able to come back. We're getting defensive players back too. So the Saints have just been kind of hanging in there with just basically promo code Alvin only. And we've seen Jameis Winston just getting the job done in the weight room getting really weird with a bunch of things, but I like where the saints are just what doing, is this? <laughs> doing his little wiggle. I mean,
0: James has the weirdest workout regimen of all time, but Hey, who can argue with W's Hayden? And he's eating those W's. I don't, I don't he's like boogie boarding and doing, you know, bench press dumbbell presses at the moment. And uh, it makes no sense. I've never seen this. We have to get Nick Rudman doing these imitations. That, that's the next content play here at underdog. That is. 100%.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that the Saints, just in general, it's a it's a pretty decent team. It's like obviously very well coached, and yeah, we haven't seen the best of the Saints yet. And I think that as Jameis Winston gets more and more reps here, they should be able to figure things out. So I I, I don't think that Michael Thomas is that close to playing yet. I would still say a couple more weeks for sure. But even just getting Traquan Smith back out there would help them in the intermediate and deep passing game a little bit too.
0: Yeah, fifteen completions last well, two weeks ago, I should say, for Jameis Winston, four touchdowns on those. Now, one of those is like a Marcus Callaway like Hail Mary, basically. So it doesn't necessarily count. But um, on even like on the Saints side, or defensively, like to me, they're well coached. They're getting better as the season goes along. You have a bye week here coming out of that as well. And Seattle's end, I'm not so sure like what I can plant my flag on and say like, hey, this is what Geno and this team is going to do well. You know? And that's scary to me. I think we did see a little bit more of the shorter passes to get DK Metcalf on the move. But is that really where Seattle wins? You know, like without these real vertical shots down the field that one of the best vertical passers out there, I'm not so sure if the Seattle
1: formula is going to work right now. Yeah, it seems pretty broken. And their defense, the Seahawks defense is legitimately broken and We'll see what Geno Smith can do. It's going to be Marshawn Lattimore versus DK Metcalf on the outside. And we'll see how willing Geno Smith is. It's just let him go rip downfield. Just in the very limited sample, Geno Smith has been throwing the check down more often. Um, one injury note, we have uh, Chris Carson's not going to be out there. Alex Collins, I did believe he's going to be practicing on Thursday. If he's out there, he's the starter. We'll, we'll keep track of Rashad Penny. Um, But I think we're not going to learn about this backfield until Sunday morning. And even if we do learn about it, the Seahawks are projected for the the 22nd most points this week and are at home in five point dogs. So uh, not a pretty situation out there. You're still starting Metcalf and Lockett though. Like that a lot.
0: Okay. So to recap here, Hayden winks our underdog of the week is the Indianapolis Colts and Sunday night football overpowering, the San Francisco 49ers. Your Benji of the week is? Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. I like that one a lot. I did not bring one up. A little bit of a pivot, though. And maybe this is just me getting in my feelings. And we even picked a quarterback here. Let's go Justin Fields over 300 yards in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does that work? Is that fair?
1: I like it. Switching Triple it up.
0: All right. Everyone out there, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm talking to you pick and Rick you JJ use dot like, and subscribe. And at the completion of the show, you can leave your starts at questions in the bottom, in the comments below the video, and I will answer them throughout the weekend. But remember, we will be back here on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern for an hour, taking phone calls with animal. Then later on, Hayden and I jump on for an hour and a half and just go through pick and plays, go through, Start sick questions, help you set up your your, your perfect lineup, your ideal lineup for Sunday. And as always, the Instant Reaction Show, one of my favorites. 7.30 Eastern as soon as those 4 o'clock games, which aren't good this weekend, wrap
1: up. All right.
0: Thank you all for being here. Go and check out the Fantasy Blueprint. Go and check out our NBA content because that's going to be going on until we see football on Sunday. Everyone out there, up the villa. They play tomorrow. Need a big W after Giving away a two gold lead last week. Hey, I don't even want to talk about it. Talk to y'all soon. See you.